a Podcast One production. Hey, I'm former Australian beach sprinter and fitness trainer Katie Williams. When I was competing, I would do anything I needed to do to be the best. But now that I'm retired, I'm trying to develop a more balanced relationship with my diet, exercise, and my body image. In each episode, I'll try a different diet or lifestyle challenge for two weeks to see if it helps me think, move, or feel better. For the next two weeks, the challenge I'm taking on is beating imposter syndrome. So why do I want to beat imposter syndrome? I think it's held me back from living my true potential. There's been a lot of self-doubt in my ability and also not celebrating my achievements. I feel like I've achieved a lot, but I've never actually sat back and been proud of myself for it. I tend to set a goal and achieve it and then set a much higher one and continue. It's like a never-ending cycle. I feel like it sort of lays dormant in me and every now and then something or someone will trigger it. I don't know how and I don't know why, but it comes up. There's been opportunities given to me that I've worked my ass off and then still thought, wow, why me? Like, how did I get here? I remember when I got in the Australian team, I felt like maybe it was a fluke. Not that I'd trained 10 years for it. I've also had other opportunities in my life where I thought, am I actually good enough for this? I've worked with brands that I thought, why would you pick me? I've almost got this belief that I have to work really, really hard for success. And if it happens too quickly for me or too easily for me, then maybe I don't deserve it. The reason why I want to do this challenge is at the end of the 14 days, I want to feel liberated. I want to know what my triggers for imposter syndrome are. I want to feel unstoppable. Some days I feel phenomenal and so confident. And then I have days where I totally doubt myself. They're kind of few and far between, but still I want to get to a point where I just feel unstoppable all the time. Well, most of the time anyway. Before starting this challenge, I want to speak to Suzanne Mercier. She's a mindset coach for over 16 years, and she specializes in helping clients move beyond mindset limitations that block successes, including imposter syndrome. She's an imposter syndrome expert, and she's the best in the business. I want Suzanne to tell me exactly what imposter syndrome is, where it comes from, how and why it's triggered, why so many of us have it, and how to treat it or use it to my advantage. I'm here with the beautiful Suzanne Mercier. She is a keynote speaker and she is an imposter syndrome expert of 16 years. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much. So lovely to be here. So what is your background in imposter syndrome? Ah, well, my background is actually marketing and advertising. So I've always been fascinated with how people think and how that impacts what they do, their behaviour. But my experience with the imposter syndrome was one which was retrospective because I didn't realise I'd been experiencing it for so long. Uh, and I was in the advertising industry. I worked for George Pat's Advertising and I was um, promoted to be the first woman on the board. But the day that I was actually um, promoted to the board, I thought I was going to be fired. And, oh. and I had no clue and I was just totally flabbergasted thinking, why on earth would they want me to be on the board? I'm not even doing a good job at what I'm doing. So I, I just didn't get it. Uh, And with the benefit of hindsight, I realized that was the imposter syndrome because there was such a mismatch between how other people saw me and how I saw myself. A colleague of mine actually called me out on it and told me that's what it was. I was an imposter. So I I went looking to see what it was all about and and looked at it and fell in love with the description because it just was me. It was what I'd been doing to myself for so long. So what is imposter syndrome? 
Imposter syndrome is uh, a case of what I call mistaken identity. It's, it's, we think that we're not good enough, but in actual fact we are. It was uh, a syndrome, or I think it was called a phenomenon at that stage, that was discovered in the late 1970s by two psychologists working for Georgia State University. And they were working with PhD students and master's students in their final years. And these had been highly, you know, high, high distinctions all the way through. And these women, and they were women, um, were terrified because they were facing their final dissertations and their exams, and they thought they were going to fail. And there was absolutely no reason they would have thought they would. So these two psychologists, um, Pauline Clance and Suzanne Eames, uh, went looking for the, um, you know, for, the, for the cause. What's going on? Why, why would these women feel like that? And they discovered the imposter phenomenon, as they called it. So the symptoms are that they feel that they're not good enough. They feel like they're a fake and a fraud. They feel as though um, they're, they're, any success that they've had has been due to good luck or, or you know, somebody else's mistakenly positive view of them. They focus on their weaknesses. They don't see their strengths. And if they do, they think that they can't exactly be rocket science because I'm not good enough and I can do this, so it can't be that special. So they dismiss the value of them. Uh, and so what that means is it's very difficult for them to access and to really fully utilise their capabilities to, to be all that they could be. Do you think men and women experience this differently? Do women have it more? I'm just, I feel like women do. Um, the research, early research, suggested it was only women, but that's not the case. Um, there have been one study of marketing managers where they looked at men and women, and I'm sure there have been some since then, and they experienced it the same, the, the, to the same degree. Wow. Uh, so that's 70% experience it and around 33% have it chronically. But the difference is how they experience it. And it's got a lot to do with early conditioning. So uh, a lot of guys are brought up the, to um, to not express emotions, to um, to fake it till they make it because you know you can't you can't be seen to be weak and, and otherwise you'll get picked on in the schoolyard. You know, so they've actually learned very early on those behaviours that actually help them handle the imposter syndrome in the short term, because what happens for them is later on, you know, that who they are and how they're showing up become increasingly different. And so they get this to, to midlife and, and get this sense of, oh, gosh, who am I? You know, I, I'm showing up this way, but that's not who I am. This is who I am. Right. So that's quite challenging for them. But I think that they pay the price longer term. Women pay the price shorter term. Because what happens is we're not very good, most of us, and I'm grossly generalizing. Um, we're not very good at um, faking it till we make it. That doesn't feel authentic to most of us. It we'd, makes me we'd rather want to be honest when I hear yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know, <laughs> I know. Um, and and so it's you know like we we will we'll go into it and and we'll experience it and we'll we'll admit that we're not very good and we probably focus on the not very good bit. So we probably express that perfection um, challenge more than maybe the guys do. So we'll focus on perfection and we'll, we'll look at where we've achieved. And instead of saying, haven't I done so well? Look at what I've done. We'll focus on that bit that we didn't get. That's that all I That bit that didn't work out. <laughs> and if that's constructive, that's fine. But if that's associated with your feeling of being good enough, it's not so great. So how do you know if you have it? Like we've spoken about the symptoms, but do people know they have imposter syndrome or is it something that's totally in the dark? They don't know that they have imposter syndrome because if they're anything like me, they didn't know there was such a thing. They just felt like they weren't good enough. And they and, and because they thought that they were alone, I thought I was alone, maybe that was your experience too, you don't talk about it because it, it's a bit shameful. I'm not good enough. Everybody else, you know, I've got them all fooled. Um, so it's not something that you openly talk to people about. And, and when I've talked at conferences, one of the first things people have said is, oh, my God, that is amazing. It's not just me. I'm not the crazy one. We're all in this together. And it's true. We are. 70% of people experience it. And 33% have it pretty chronically, but I reckon the other 30% aren't trying hard because it, it, it's triggered by uncertainty. 
And uncertainty happens when you push yourself or you're, you're pushed into something that's outside your comfort zone. Yeah. If you have the imposter syndrome and you step outside your comfort zone, first of all, most people pull back pretty quickly. But the second thing is that you... Um, you don't actually expand your comfort zone because you don't get that you've that that's been you that's done yeah. it. You think that it's just a one-off situation. You, you you just don't necessarily build the foundation that many people do when they expand their comfort zones. So it means that you don't really have the the foundation to build on, to grow, to build your confidence, to step into new roles and new opportunities. It's interesting because I feel that I am resilient and I feel that I love getting out of my comfort zone. But I definitely feel that I have parts of me that suffers from imposter syndrome in some ways. I definitely used to in the past. Mm. Can it come in waves? Oh, absolutely. We can go along feeling incredibly confident and comfortable uh, the majority of the time and then something happens that takes you outside your comfort zone. Can I share a story? Because um, because it probably illustrates it really well. I'd been working on the imposter syndrome probably for about seven years at the time that this happened. And I was speaking to a group of women who were very senior women. They had, they'd come out of um, middle to senior levels in corporate and started their own businesses, that sort of thing. But essentially what happened was I was talking about the imposter syndrome and suddenly out of the blue, there was this yell that came across like, I want to know. Um, I'm a psychologist and I want to know. Do everybody around the world feel like this? And, and her voice calmed down as she, like, she was totally triggered. And and I was triggered too because I just stood there and I looked and it's like, <gasps> and and I, my head was filled with white noise. I couldn't think. I, I was just standing there and it felt like I was there for ages. And it wasn't. I wasn't. It was. It was over in a minute, or, or seconds apparently. But um, but essentially, what I went where I went was. She's a psychologist. I'm not. I'm standing up here talking about it. She's obviously angry with me. This is all going in my head. She's obviously angry with me because I'm talking about this subject that I have no right to be talking about. And this is what when my thoughts finally came back where they went. And I and I started laughing and I said, oh, my God, I've just given you the best demonstration of the imposter syndrome because wow. I thought you had more right to be up here than me. Um, I'm so sorry. Thank you so much for the question. And I went on and answered it. And, and you know, essentially I had to unpack it afterwards. And what it was was that she had qualifications and I didn't. And that was the belief that triggered me into feeling that I had no right to be there. Uh, and so that was fascinating. And so we all have different areas of sensitivity and Absolutely. it's the areas of sensitivity that get us. Do you think people are predisposed to this if they're like an athlete or a high achiever? Well, you're pushing yourself, yes. People don't experience the imposter syndrome unless they've actually achieved something. It's like a double bind. Um, I can't dismiss my success unless I have been successful in some way. So the people who are high achievers, yes, they have a tendency to experience it more. But then if they have it seriously, then they tend to become overachievers. I think that's probably a better explanation. That makes so much. That resonates a lot. Almost all of my life, I've felt that I could be more. Yeah. And that I could do better, which, yes, I can. But how sad to not be okay with where I'm at now. You know, it's just a bizarre, it's just bizarre. And I, I find it fascinating because... I've achieved so much, yes. but I still look back and I'm like, yeah, but that. Yeah. Because, you know, being an athlete, um, I got recognised by my results. Absolutely. By my results, not by my training. I did by my coach, so my mm-hmm. coach was amazing mm-hmm. and, and recognised all the small wins. But within me, I only felt good enough when I was winning. Yeah. So that has taken me many years to unpack and try and recondition my mind to be okay with, like, not achieving massive things or mm. I still am, but yes. not to the level, like yeah. I was world champion, like yes. trying to then find find something that makes me feel that good. Mm. It took a while mm. to 
to unpack and, and like peel off the layers like an onion to be yeah. okay with who I am without any, and I'm still getting there. I'm not, I'm, I'm not, not there yet. To be okay with who I am The day you're there any... will be the day you die. Yeah, well, <laughs> I just better <laughs> keep jumping then. <laughs> keep jumping, keep jumping. So this is a challenge-based podcast. I've brought you in the studio today to give me a challenge. What is my challenge? Oh my goodness, you are going to be so excited. I am. I hope you are. Yes. Your challenge is a 14-day journey through the imposter syndrome to beat it. So the whole process starts with understanding mindset. What is your mindset? What do you value? What do you believe? And we'll do that on a first cut. And then we'll talk about the imposter syndrome and what that's all about. And you'll get a chance to answer some questions on whether you do experience the imposter syndrome Mm. and some triggers that set that off for you. Then we talk about the coping behaviours and the coping behaviours are how do you react when you feel uh, that you feel not good enough, when you've gone into that space of being triggered and then why those coping behaviours are so valuable. Then we'll have a look at the costs and consequences of feeling like an imposter. What have you paid? What's the price you've paid for that? Then we'll have a look at your um, your beliefs and do your beliefs support you and what you want to achieve? Then we'll have a look at um, um, looking at uh, removing the limitations and and looking at what can we put in its place. So a whole lot of positive beliefs that are that are core philosophy for you. Uh, and then we'll have a look at letting go of perfection, enhancing positivity, reclaiming your strengths and successes, so you really see the value that you bring. Uh, and then we have a look at developing a, a stronger internal frame of reference. And then we bring oh. it all together. So it's a journey. This is beautiful. <clears throat> I'm, I'm so excited. <laughs> I'm along. such a geek. <laughs> <laughs> I'm hoping you've got lots of um, ink oh, in your pen. <laughs> I love this so much. I'm a big journaler. This honestly, Good. I'm honestly such a self-development geek because this Good. makes me so excited. Great. I feel like everyone needs to do this. I do too. I do too. I've been thinking of that for years. <laughs> so what changes do you think I should expect from this challenge physically, socially and mentally? Um, physically, well, I mean, I think you're probably in, in fabulous physical condition, but you know, the, the thing physically probably is that you will be feeling better, like, mm. you know, like feeling in your body better. You're waking up with that full body excitement, that kind of thing. I think yeah. that's a possibility for Absolutely. you. Absolutely. Um, especially knowing how you're going to attack this, I think, or approach <laughs> this, I should say. Um, attack's right. And, yeah. <laughs> and mentally, look, I think if you can let yourself off the hook, I think that will be huge for you. For me, that's kind of like you taking the handbrake off. And I think that's probably what's going to be important for you is really just to let yourself be who you are. And and I think you'll get an experience of that. Do you think two weeks is long enough to experience changes? Yes, I do have to manage your expectations around that though, because uh, a lot of the changes come as things settle. Yeah. And you're not having a lot of time for anything to settle. Um, but, you know, I think I think you'll definitely get some some uh, some some really personal shifts out of it. Yeah. Do you ever fully get over imposter syndrome or can you just manage it? It's a great question. And and, and I uh, um, I can only answer from my own experience. Um, I've been working on it for 16 years and the answer is no. <laughs> <laughs> but I have to say that it's much, it's, it's much, a much mi- more minor part of my life. Uh, it, it's just not, it just doesn't really register that much unless I encounter something that's totally out of left field and, and I hadn't handled that bit of my life so far. So that sometimes it catches me. But what bothered me five years ago is not even on my radar today. Mm. So you just you just move through. I do have some fears for this challenge. It might bring up for me that I actually have imposter syndrome. <laughs> I think I've struggled with it in the past. And it, like I said, it comes and goes in waves. But for me, it's been triggered in the past by when things happen really fast for me. So I've had stages in my life where all of a sudden I've been thrown into these massive opportunities 
and it's almost like my life has taken off before my mind can keep up with it. And then I sort of get there and I'm like, oh my God, is this actually happening? Like, should I be here? So for me, I feel when I'm sort of cruising along, it doesn't come up. But it's when I get thrown into the deep end, which I love, but at the time it takes me a while for my mind to catch up with my physical body. So I suppose I am a little anxious about this challenge because it might actually bring up feelings of imposter syndrome or symptoms of it that I have stagnant in me that haven't come up yet. Mm -hmm. I'm also interested, I'm very interested in my beliefs, but I'm a little nervous because I do feel that some of my beliefs and values I'm probably not living. So yes, it's great. It's great that I'm identifying them, but also in the short term might be uncomfortable to have a look at what my limiting beliefs are to actually see that there's a lot holding me back because I know that I know that it's in there, but I've never done the work to unleash what my limiting beliefs are, what's holding me back, and in the short term I do feel that I'll probably feel a little shame or guilt or or sadness around this until I break through it. So that's kind of what I'm fearing right now. Yeah, yeah. I get it. I get it. Um, two things. First of all, um, courageous for you to say that. Uh, and and secondly, it depends on how you look at them. So we all feel shame at some stage and, and that's really because we've had a judgment around something. So if you can see it as just a natural progress for you, a natural process and progress for you on that journey, uh, and see it as uh, it's just sitting there. You can choose to um, to work with it or not. Because it, for me, it's not about whether your beliefs are wrong or right. It's not about whether your values are wrong or right. It's simply, are they useful? Do they support you? If you do feel that sadness, if you can sit with that and just underneath that will be some gold as well. Yeah. So if you can give yourself the time to do this process and be really sweet and kind to yourself while you're doing it, um, then, then that would be fantastic. And, and I'm there. If you want, if you really get stuck and you want to just talk something through, or it's driving me crazy, I don't get why this is happening. Get in touch with me. So my homework for this challenge is absolutely phenomenal. Probably the most immersive challenge I've ever had to do. I'm doing something different for 14 days in a row to beat imposter syndrome. So in week one, I'm looking at my mindset, how to create my mindset blueprint, understanding imposter syndrome, understanding my coping behaviours and my costs and consequences. In week two, we're looking at triage mindset, aligning my values, dismantling my beliefs, displacing my limitations, enhancing positivity, letting go of perfection, reclaiming my strengths and successes, and developing internal frame of reference. Then on my last day, I'm going to put it all together for consolidation and process of change. Whoa, this is going to be probably one of the hardest challenges I've done, but I'm going to say the best. Fabulous. I'm so excited. Thank you so much. I can't wait to hear what you have to say at the end of it. I cannot wait. It's been such a pleasure talking to you. And I love imposter syndrome and I love your work. So thank you so much for coming in. Thank you, Katie. Thank you so much. If you want to see the behind the scenes from this challenge, I do a vlog where I capture every day. You actually see me crying in this episode of Better For It because imposter syndrome is tough. You can watch it all on my Instagram at Katie Williams or the Podcast One Australia YouTube channel. Look for the Better For It playlist and hit subscribe so you never miss a video. Before starting this challenge, I had to do a questionnaire to see if I actually had imposter syndrome. The questionnaire came back saying that I do have imposter syndrome, which is pretty heavy. Day five of this challenge has been quite tough. It's called costs and consequences. I've had to write down the costs and consequences of having the core belief that I'm not good enough or that I could or should be better. I suppose what makes me feel sad 
is that I actually have achieved a lot, but have not felt accomplished or proud along the way. At 19, I was world champion and I didn't even celebrate that. The next day I just went back to training and just moved on. I've realized throughout this challenge that this mindset of like playing small, mentally not totally pushing the limits and totally believing in myself is not the way I wanna live anymore. But I've realized that I'm the one that needs to change this. And what's really cool about this whole process is rather than saying like, I'm not smart enough, you could say, perhaps I don't have the knowledge yet. When I wake up in the morning, I should just be proud of who I am now. Not what I'm achieving, not my job, not who I am at work, just with who I am as a whole person. Okay, so I've been trying to beat imposter syndrome for the past two weeks and the challenge is now over. So the question is, am I better for it? And the answer is, yes, I am. For the first few days, I felt a little sad for myself you know, when I realised, in fact, I actually have it and it's totally held me back from living my true potential. Day four was really cool because I figured out what my coping behaviour was for having imposter syndrome. So I had to do a quiz to see which coping behaviour came up most for me. And it was a score out of 28. I got 28 out of 28, daredevil, which means I take action and jump anyway, even if I feel the fear. And then sometimes I can internally battle after I jump. So I might get the job or I might start a project and then internally freak out and think, I can't do this. Why did I do this? Am I ready? And it's interesting because it makes so much sense to me. And it's the reason why I didn't think I had imposter syndrome because I still take action anyway. On day five, we looked at costs and consequences. So this day was really uncomfortable for me because I had to go into the price I'd paid, the balance I didn't have from overworking or overtraining, the collaborations I didn't ask for, the ideas that I didn't put forward and the self-sabotages, plus the associated negative feelings that come with imposter syndrome, like feeling disappointed, not proud, annoyed with myself, or even felt small. My favorite day in week one was aligning my values. So number one was abundance and financial freedom. Number two was health and vitality. Number three was growth and progress. Four, integrity and five, contribution. Week two was much better than week one. Day eight and nine was all about dismantling and replacing my limiting beliefs with more positive ones. This was a really cool activity because I started to question my beliefs and realize that I have the power to change them and I can start today. I actually learned how to shift my limiting beliefs in three steps. Number one was finding the exception. So the times in my life that I could prove my beliefs totally wrong. An example of this is I'm not smart enough or I'm not ready. I then had to find examples to support that I actually am. Support the times that I was smart enough. Support the times that I was ready. Number two is reframing the belief so I can see the situation differently. An example of this is I'm not qualified. I reframe that to I'm not qualified yet. The last step to shifting my limiting beliefs was finding evidence to the contrary. So asking a trusted source to back up or analyze my limiting belief, which helps me unpack it and see how valid it is. Asking a friend for evidence helps you undermine its power over you. When I asked my friends to back up my limiting beliefs, none of them would back it up. There was no evidence to support them. And this one was the most impactful for me. On day 12, I had to do a pledge to myself. 
It was a pledge to celebrate my strengths, my successes, my values, my qualities and my achievements. I'd never done this before and it felt so good to actually be proud of what I've achieved. Day 13 and 14 was all about having an internal frame of reference, not external. Having an internal frame of reference means that you see value in yourself, that you know that you're good enough. You don't need others to tell you and you don't need any external validation. I'm actually both internal and external, but I'm more external, which means I need others tell me I'm doing a good job. And if they're not telling me, I don't believe it. This section for me is a work in progress. I have the awareness now and I have the tools to change this. My fears did play out for this challenge and I did resist to the work, but I did a lot of my homework at night and I was really lucky to have an accountability partner like Suzanne who kept me on track. The impact of my health was interesting. Physically, I felt a little heavy for the first few days. My emotional body definitely affects my physical. But when I started to shift my mindset and really get into some action-taking steps, I felt strong and definitely more energized. Socially, I felt no different for the first week, but in week two, I feel like I showed up more myself, happier, lighter, and more vibrant. Mentally, this challenge was really tough for me, particularly realizing how hard I am on myself. But the majority of this challenge, I felt inspired and empowered and to be honest, pretty aligned and proud of myself. Two weeks was definitely enough time to notice benefits. I actually noticed benefits within the first sort of few days. I'll definitely continue this challenge long-term. Learning about imposter syndrome has been really interesting and I'm definitely not done with it. I've realized over this challenge that it's okay to have imposter syndrome pop up from time to time. And when it comes up again for me, it won't be as impactful and I'll know what to do. I would recommend people to do this challenge and to learn more about imposter syndrome. If you're going to do it, be kind to yourself, be compassionate, be curious and be observant. Don't judge your beliefs, don't judge your thoughts. They're not right or wrong, but there might be ones that just better serve you. Take your time with this stuff. Self-work can be energetically draining and finding your vision and purpose can be tough and it will take time and it will evolve. So don't be afraid to come back to your values, come back to your purpose and your vision. I know I'll definitely be coming back to this because it will change. So that's it for my two weeks of trying to beat imposter syndrome. If you want to see the behind the scenes from this challenge, check out my Instagram at Katie Williams. My next challenge is zoo training with Nathan Helberg. Join me next time to see if I'm better for it. Better For It was presented by Katie Williams and produced in collaboration with Podcast One Australia. Producer, Lindsay Green. Audio producer, Darcy Thompson. And executive producer, Jennifer Goggin. For more episodes, head to podcastoneaustralia.com.au. Download the free Podcast One Australia app or search Better For It podcast.